Welcome to the Jesus Never Ran podcast, where we hear stories from people who are making time in their life to make a difference in this world. I'm your host and eternal optimist, Matt Kinsera. Let's take a walk. This week, we take a break from our interviews to hear another story about Jesus healing another dude. You're going to love this. Hey, while we are taking time to make a difference in this life, it is important to slow down. When I am taking my time and slowing down, I like to sit out on my front porch with my favorite beverage from Infinity Beverages. They have incredible wines and spirits, and you can order them right on their website so they can be delivered to your door. If you are in the Eau Claire area, make sure you stop by their tasting room and get a tour with master winemaker Matthew Rick. That's infinitybeverages.com, proud sponsors of Jesus Never Ran. We have heard some incredible stories from some incredible people making time to do incredible things. This has been such an exciting journey so far, and I've been unbelievably blessed just to talk to the people that we've had on this show. And so I'm excited to be with you again today, and today we're going to take a completely different approach. We have learned a lot on this show about how to do what it is we're trying to do. So many people with so many great perspectives, and I'm confident that everybody listening has grown from being a part of Jesus Never Ran. Now, today we are going to take a much more broad stroke approach. What I mean by that is we are not going to get into the nitty gritty details of how to go about what you're trying to do, but we're going to talk about larger perspective. Anytime you have perspective, anytime you have a grander purpose, it's really going to help you make the smaller decisions in the day-to-day. What I see happen too often is people are so focused on the X, Y, and Z of going after whatever it is that they're going after that they'll make some decisions that they'll later look back upon and regret because they made those decisions not based on who they truly are, but they made them based on what they thought they were supposed to do in that moment without really taking it against a bigger perspective. So we're going to read a story. This is going to be out of the book of Luke in the Bible, and it's going to be chapter 17. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. All right, before you turn this off because you think Matt's just going to talk about thankfulness, about being thankful for where we're at, and I get that, there's way more to this story. All right, so we're going to go a little deeper than that. Yes, we're going to talk about thankfulness, no doubt about it, but we're going to talk about more than just that. 
In our Western culture, we always like to think one plus one equals two. We like everything to be a formula. But when Jesus encounters people and when Jesus heals people, he never does it the same way twice, which I think is amazing. He's not trying to create some sort of formula where bada boom, bada bang, I touch you like this and I say these things and all of a sudden you're healed. He's not some sort of weird wizardy magician, right? He's not thinking in that Western mindset that we love so much. Every time he heals somebody or every time he encounters somebody for that matter, he does it differently because he's trying to teach a different lesson to the people that are around him at the time. And this story is no different. Now, Jesus is traveling outside of the city at this point, and he finds the lepers there. And this makes sense because a leper would never be inside of the city because they were exiled from the city because they were known as unclean. And one thing that I'm just so amazed by, because if I put myself in this situation, I do this differently is that the lepers take a position of respect for Jesus. How do they do that? They stand at a distance and they holler at him. Now, if I have leprosy, if I'm sick and I know Jesus can heal me because that's what I've heard and I actually see him, like I see him walking by me, there would be nothing that would keep me from sprinting towards him and trying to get to him. But these lepers respect him because they know the Jewish culture would say that they will make him unclean if they get near him. And so they respect him by standing off in the distance and hollering. But they also have a sense of trust about them that they believe that he can heal them even if he's not right next to them. Now, how many of us are able to keep our wits about us and stand at a distance when that's what we're supposed to do. I'm the type of person when I see what I want, I'm just trying to run after it like a crazy fool and that has gotten me into all kinds of trouble throughout the years. And so I know this is a good lesson for me too that I need to sometimes stand at a distance and trust that God is going to work on my behalf from a distance even when I can't see it even when I don't understand it. And then let's take this one step further and talk not just about Jesus, but about other people. How many of us get really good at pushing our will on other people? And we get all up in their face and all up in their business to try to promote what we're doing. The reality is there's more to this world than Jesus never ran, and there's more to this world than Matt. And so why should I believe that everybody needs to be a part of what's going on here? Sometimes... If we can just stand back and respect those around us, that's what they need to start to understand our vision, to start to understand what it is that we're doing. If you want to turn somebody off real quick, disrespect them by trying to force your will or your idea upon them. If you can trust God from a distance and trust Jesus from a distance, then you can believe that he's going to work on your behalf and he's going to help what you're doing to encounter and intersect with other people who need it. So respect Jesus, respect those around you. Sometimes you need to stand at a distance and holler instead of getting right up in there. All right, this next part is crazy. So Jesus responds to these lepers is he tells them to get out of here. (laughs) He tells them to leave. 
where else in the Bible do we see Jesus telling somebody to leave? Usually he's like, yeah, come, 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 come. Let's get this taken care of. So many times when he heals people, he actually puts his hands on them. But in this situation, he tells them, actually, get out of here. <laughs> I just, I can't imagine what, what they were thinking at this time. Their whole goal was to holler at Jesus I'm sure in hopes that he would tell them to come near to where he was. But instead of doing that, what he says is he says, get out of here and go to the religious leaders, which is probably exactly what they didn't want to do. So now in Jewish culture, here's what would happen. Now, if you were sick or labeled as unclean for any reason, what you would be required to do to be uh, accepted again as a part of the community, you had to show yourself to the priest and then they would say, okay, you are clean. Now you can go back to life as normal. So I suppose on some sense, these guys, these people, these lepers knew that Jesus was up to something or they assumed that. But the interesting thing is they never question it. At least we don't see them question it. They just blindly do what Jesus calls them to do. Now, here's why this matters. So often in our minds, in our life, we want to get from point A to point B by going the shortest distance and by going directly there. There's nothing better than seeing something and getting there quickly. But this is just not the reality of how life works. Now, I might like straight lines, but Jesus loves to draw with circles and zigzags and crazy patterns that don't usually make much sense to me. Jesus Never Ran was an idea that I had, boy, at this point, over 10 years ago, I think. And if it was up to me, I would have loved to have figured out what I wanted to do with it right away and gotten busy. But I would have never experienced enough of life to make it successful if that were the route that I took. Instead, it took a lot of roundabouts. It took a lot of going backwards to go forwards. I had to experience a lot of things to really know how to manage this well and to really know how to go after this well. If I had have taken a straight line and would have gotten to where I wanted to go within a matter of months, I wouldn't have really had all that much to offer. And so Jesus is going to do that in all of our lives. He's going to take the approach that he's going to get you to where he wants you to be so that you'll be the best form of yourself when you get there. It's not about how fast you get there. It's about getting there when you're good and ready. Now, sometimes you won't feel like you're good and ready, but you'll have everything you need by the time you get there if you just do what Jesus is calling you to do. So if you sense that, okay, I want to get here, but you see it looks like there's a detour that you have to take, maybe that's actually something that you have to do because maybe there's more of life that you have to experience before you get to where you want to go. And the beautiful thing about this is that they don't question him. They don't second guess him. They just go on their way. And I love in this story when I put myself in it because I wouldn't have done that. I, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm the kind of guy... That if I'm in this situation and Jesus tells me to leave, I wouldn't have left. I would have done whatever I could have done to get close to him because I had an idea in my mind. <laughs> Unfortunately, this continues to be a problem, especially in our American culture. That we have a thought, we have an idea, we always think that we're right. And so we just go after it no matter what anybody else says. Again, we can take this way beyond Jesus and we can look and say, you know, sometimes people have wise counsel and they give it to us and we ignore it. 
boy, we would get places in a lot better shape if we would just listen to wise counsel of people around us. Now, in order to do that, you have to know who's around you and you have to be able to trust who's around you. But it's so important to listen to the voice of people who have been there before you or people that have just had more life behind them so that they know how to get to where you're going better. Look, the reality is this. If you want something, you can find a way to get it. You can just go after it and accomplish it. I'm a big believer in that. But that's not always the best way to do something. There is something beautiful about the process to getting where you're going. And you will be more equipped to do what you're supposed to do if you do it in the right way. So you can do it the quick way if you want. You can do it the way that you think is right if you want. Or you can listen to the voice of God in your life and listen to the voice of people who have more wisdom than you in this life and get there in the best form of yourself possible. The problem, it may take more time. That's okay. Now, it's so easy to villainize the nine guys who don't turn around and thank Jesus. But the reality is, they did everything right up to that point. They blindly trusted Jesus and they did what he, what he told them to do. And so they did everything but that last step. Yet so often when we hear this story, we just villainize them. Like, these are the bad guys. So here's what I want you to do. Put yourself in this story. All right, so you are sick. You are terminally ill. Put yourself there. And then you encounter Jesus, and then he tells you to do something, and you do it. While you're doing what he told you to do, suddenly you're not sick anymore. Right before your very eyes, like your body is restored, and you realize that, hey, I just had a death sentence, and now it has been lifted off me. What is your first reaction? I know exactly what my first reaction is. I'm going to go find my wife. I'm going to go find my family. I'm going to call my friends. I'm going to let everybody know what happened. I'm going to make sure that everybody knows that I've been healed because I'm so excited about it. My guess is that was the situation of the nine others. They weren't ungrateful. They weren't unthankful. They were probably just super excited. And I suppose there's a little bit of a conundrum here because Jesus said to go and show yourself to the priest. And so they may have just thought, hey, Jesus told us to go show ourselves to the priest. So maybe we should do that. You know, I don't know. Maybe they found Jesus later and we just don't know about it. But maybe they went to the priest first. And so these nine guys aren't bad guys. These nine guys are just normal. They're probably the people that all of the rest of us are. Because if I put myself in that situation, I probably don't go right back to Jesus as well. I might call him later on. I might send him a nice thank you card. But I'm probably one of the nine if I'm honest with myself. So maybe you're better than me and I hope that's the case. <laughs> but I'm one of the nine and I'm not afraid to admit it. So there's this one guy though that realizes what happened. And his first response, and this is the key everybody, his first response is to turn around. My first response is to let everybody know what happened. And at the end of the day, that's a little bit selfish, but it's also just reality. But the other guy, the one guy, his first response was to turn around and thank the person that made it happen. That 
is huge. So it's not about being thankful or not being thankful. I guarantee you that all 10 of these people were extremely thankful for what Jesus did in their lives. The only difference between the one and the nine is he made it his absolute first priority to say thank you. Now, when we're going after our purpose and we're going after our dreams in life, so often my first response is to just keep going and keep doing what I'm doing, is to take that next step. And I've seen so many amazing things happen ever since Jesus Never Ran started, and I have so much to be thankful for. But the reality is, so often, I curb the thankfulness and keep moving forward towards what I think I need to do. And that's just kind of this inherent problem with go-getters. People who have dreams and visions and hopes in their lives. And honestly, this is a little bit of what I'm always preaching, right? Like, go get it. Go after it. You can do that thing that's in your heart. But it's so important to realize that thankfulness and a heart of thankfulness and an attitude of thankfulness is going to get you far in this life. And I know the power that comes when somebody says thank you. When you do something nice to somebody or for somebody and they come back and they thank you, I mean, that feels great. That feels amazing. And if we do something nice for somebody and they don't thank us, that feels like a little bit of a slap in the face, doesn't it? So two things that we can really take from this. Number one, work hard so that your first response is a response of thankfulness. When something good happens in your life, let the first thing that you do be to thank whoever was responsible for it, to thank God and to thank other people, whatever it is, instead of your first response being to do something else first and then get around to thanking them for it. The key to this story is that the one had a first response of thankfulness as opposed to a later response to thankfulness. So let our first response become thankfulness. How cool would that be if we had the self-control that right when a good thing happened, before we did anything because of that great thing that just happened, we thanked the person that was behind it happening? How would that just change the culture of our world if we took that approach? I mean, that would change everything, and yet it's such a simple thing. I'm a big believer that the problem in our world is not the big things, it's the small things. We have lost gratitude, we have lost kindness, and we have lost common courtesy. And without those things, then that gets built upon and we see some of the horrific things that end up happening in our world. That may see, seem overly simple, but I think there's some truth to it. Now, I used to be a music teacher. And when I was teaching drum lessons, what would happen is every student I had wanted to be great. Every student I had wanted to be a rock star. And the first thing that I would teach them for the entire first half hour lesson was how to hold their drumsticks. And I guarantee that they were frustrated by that. And then after they held their drumsticks, I showed them how to hit the drum with a drumstick. We didn't get to actually sitting down and playing a drum set until months into our lessons. And I'm sure that drove people nuts. But we needed to get the basics down before we could become great. I mean, I spent hours upon hours when I was young working on the basics. My teacher would tell me when I was watching TV to sit down with a pillow on my lap and just play on it. It's all about learning the basics. The basics in life are kindness, 
gratitude, and common courtesy. And if we don't build everything else on that, what we build will be prone to crumbling. And so if we don't take the first response of kindness, what we are building just may crumble beneath us. And when we look around and wonder why that didn't work, well, it's probably because we didn't build the foundation of thankfulness, kindness, and common courtesy underneath it. Now the last part of the story, the guy comes back, the one guy comes back and thanks Jesus. And Jesus responds and says, why is this foreigner the only guy that has come back? Now, he does that on purpose. He says foreigner on purpose because this culture was a culture that said, well, this person is good and this person is not good. And our culture is exactly the same. We just don't see it quite, quite as harshly. The reality is even in our own minds, we put certain people above other people. And when we're going into our passion or doing what we're doing to make a difference in this world, we have to realize that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. I heard that from a great Pentecostal preacher one day. He said, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And that's so true. We all have equal space there. And so when we're trying to make a difference in this world, we have to make sure that we treat everybody equally. Because sometimes the person that we think is important really isn't all that important. And sometimes the person that we think is not important is way more important than we'll ever know. And then the last thing that happens in this story is he tells the man, because the man like falls at Jesus' feet. Like he is not just like, hey, thank you, handshake. It's like fall at his feet, can't believe what this man did for him. And so it's this incredible scene that happened. And it's the first time this man is close to Jesus. Because remember, he stood out at a distance at first. So this is the space where he can't stop but to get right next to Jesus. And he falls down at his feet. And then Jesus says, get up. Your faith has made you well. Now, the reality is all 10 of these lepers were healed. So when he says his faith has made him well, he's talking about something beyond just getting healed. You know, sometimes we look at the obvious and we say, hey, my business or my nonprofit or my ministry is successful because it's doing what I thought it should do. And so that is great. And I'm a success. But the reality is I've met a lot of people that are in charge of successful things that I would not identify as successful people because I don't look at them as godly people who are serving other people out of a humble heart. That is what true success is. And when Jesus said, your faith has made you well, what he's talking about is your first response of thankfulness has made you whole. The wellness that he's talking about is he's saying, you are becoming a whole person. You have become the person that you were created to be. Not just because I've healed you from your sickness, but because your response was a response of gratitude. There's more to life than just what we see. It's what's underneath the surface that truly matters. You might be wildly successful at whatever you're doing in life. You might be just killing it in the business world. Your nonprofit may be affecting the lives of countless people. But if you're not a person who lives with thankfulness and gratitude, you are not well. I've met pastors who are so miserable because this thing that they felt called to do is eating them alive. I've met successful entrepreneurs 
who were just dying inside because they never wanted to become this person even though their business is successful. It's crazy how this can get so twisted. I once met a chaplain. He was a chaplain for the police department. And he was called to a call where there was a suicide. And you can imagine how hard that was. And when he came to the place where the police call was, it was a mansion. It was this beautiful mansion. And the woman who had committed suicide was in the garage. And she was laying on the floor next to her Jaguar. And what he saw was her lip prints on the tire of the Jaguar. She kissed the tire of her car before she killed herself. This is a perfect example of a successful person, somebody who's done everything the world could ever want to do. Big house, beautiful car, all these kinds of things. Successful in in the eyes of the world, but not well on the inside. Not well at all on the inside because there's more to life than success. Whatever your view of success is, you need to change it to include thankfulness, gratitude, appreciation, love, because that is what is going to make you whole. True success has so little to do with what happens on the outside and so much to do with what is going on in your heart. You might think this thing that you're going after has everything to do with it becoming a reality or it becoming a success in the world's eyes. And you might think because it's helping people or because it's making money that it's a good thing. And I'm not saying that that's not partially true. Sure, that's amazing. Anytime you do something that helps other people, that is awesome. But if you're not well inside, you're not well at all. If you're not well on the inside, that thing on the outside is just gonna continue to crush you. So my challenge to you as we close up is to stop, to take pause, and to reflect on what's going on on the inside. It's not good enough to be successful on the outside. We have to have a first response of thankfulness. We have to have a first response of respect. And we have to have a first response of obedience. That is what's going to make us well on the inside. So this isn't just a story about thankfulness. This is a story about wellness. For the leper, walking like Jesus meant keeping his distance. It meant going somewhere he didn't understand. And it meant turning around when he realized what happened. Because sometimes walking like Jesus means doing the thing that makes no sense at all in order to truly be well. Hey, super excited to announce our new sponsor on this episode. Kathy Jensen from Thrive and Financial. Now, each day we are reminded of the role our faith plays in our lives, just like the story we talked about today. But does it play a role in our finances as well? Now, for the members of Thrivent Financial, it does. For over a century, Thrivent has been helping Christians blend faith, finances, and generosity. Because it's not just about making more, it's about doing more for your family, your church, and community. Learn more about Thrivent's unique mission by calling Kathy Jensen, Thrivent Financial Representative, at 715-231-1662. Disclosures, licensed agent producer of Thrivent Financial, marketing name for Thrivent Financial for Lutherans. 
registered representative of Thriven Investment Management Incorporated. Thriven.com slash disclosures. Of course, if you need a little help getting to where you're trying to get to, join The Walking Club at JesusNeverRan.com. The Walking Club is a monthly video series that talks about the ins and outs of accomplishing your dreams. Next week, we talk about getting rid of some crap. <laughs>